group of my students from a youth group at St. Martin's prior to entering the ministry when I uh, was doing lay ministry. A group of my students asked me to take them to see Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. And I was nervous about taking them because I knew I knew the controversies this movie was stirring up in much of America. And I also knew that many of my friends refused to see it because of the negative perception they had of the film, much of it influenced by the reports they heard through various media outlets. And so I sought permission from the parents of each child who wanted to see that film and before I would take them. The horror we encountered in that movie was gripping, terrifying. It's a violent, violent movie. It was shocking to see in moving pictures the events of the Passion, events of which we have read and heard all of our Christian lives. The crowd in the theater wept throughout the movie, and as the movie house lights came up, people just sat there, jaws wide open, crying, stunned at what they just witnessed. It was horrific. The American public, who sees so much violence every day on our television sets, movie screens, and newspapers, was stunned into tears. A few weeks later, I was at a dinner party, and the topic of the movie came up, and almost none of them had seen it. And everybody there, except for those who had seen the movie, were opposed to it. And those who were opposed to it had their reasons. They would say something like, it's nothing but a manipulative movie. It's too violent. There are too many inaccuracies. What's the point of the movie anyway? It's anti-Semitic. And so as the conversation raged on, we went into this debate about whether Jesus died for our sins or because of our sins. And we never actually talked about the scriptural accounts of the people of God. Lost in that moment of good food and, and wine and candlelight and good, com- good company. Lost in that comfortable setting. And in all that discussion was the scripture and its staggering power and its dreadful pain. And that's an area that's much more difficult, much more painful to go than anywhere we were that night in our intellectual exercises. From the beginning... God has engaged the world. God made the earth and the heavens. God brought life, sustaining water up through the earth. God formed human beings and gave us the breath of life, seeking only our love and faithfulness in return. And though we were given these gifts, we rebelled. (coughs) God came to Abraham. And because Abraham was faithful, God promised to bless Abraham and make the descendants of Abraham as numerous as the stars and bless them too and give them cities and nations. God kept God's promises and we rebelled. Still, God sent the law to help us stay faithful. God sent prophet after prophet to get us back on track, to keep us in relationship with God, to keep us mindful of the ways of God. Yet we rebelled against God time after time, breaking our covenant with God, seeking to replace God with ourselves. 
Things went horribly wrong, and many waited for God to act, to send a Savior to make things right again. In the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God sent the prophet of the Lord, John, to announce the good news, to prepare the way, to make the way straight. God and humankind was coming to give us knowledge of salvation, forgiveness of our sins, and guide us into the way of peace. God was breaking into the world in the most unique and definitive way. Immediately, Jesus began preaching and healing. The sick were made well. The unclean were made clean. Jesus forgave all sinners who would repent. Outcasts were welcomed back into the community. Thousands were fed. And hierarchies were being dismantled. Jesus was the king. Not the king we expected. Rather, more than we ever could have imagined or hoped for. Because in Jesus, we saw the reflection of God. We saw the way we were created to be. And in Jesus, we found peace. And it turns out that was a problem. We wanted hierarchy. We expected our king to put us on top, to have others serve us. We expected our king to crush our enemies, not forgive them. We expected our king to be like us in the fallen creation, not like us as we were created to be. We did not want to give up our little fiefdoms, so we plotted to kill him. We plotted to kill the king. And we arrested him and treated him with contempt and struck him in the face. Then we handed him over to the powers and principalities and disowned him in order to escape blame and demanded his death. And it was a mob scene in which we demanded Pilate release the criminal and rid ourselves of the one who healed us and fed us. We wanted to have the criminal with us, get rid of the one who came to save us. And so Pilate gave his assent, and Jesus was flogged, and the flesh on his back was ripped open, exposing a mass of muscle and blood, and they put a crown of thorns on him, piercing the skin on his head. And they put him in a purple robe and smacked him in the face and mocked him. And that wasn't enough. We watched him being marched off to his death, carrying the cross in exhaustion and agony. We watched as they drove spikes through his flesh, heel separated from foot, blood pouring out of his wrists, and the sound of the spike hitting the wood, nailing Jesus to the cross. And we watched as he was lifted up to die of exhaustion and asphyxiation. And then in his last moments, thirsting for water and his lungs burning, Jesus would find no relief. The one who gave us living water and the best, wa- the best wine he had to offer was given sour wine on a sponge. Jesus, the reflection of God in the world, the one God sent to reconcile us to God, Jesus, the Son of God, was killed. And we watched. Looking at Jesus on that cross, we saw what we did to God in the world. It was a cruel, violent, and hideous death. 
And today we remember that day. And all the while we have the backdrop of wars, of genocide, of governments which seek to bring peace through means of war, death, and destruction. We remember that day, and all the while our neighbors go hungry, and the poor are despised, and the weak are neglected. And we remember that day, and all the while innocent people are condemned to death in a system we call the justice system. And we watch. We watch it all happen. Worse yet, when others do try to bring justice and reconciliation, we might offer little of any assistance. We might offer little of any hope. We fear what might happen to us if we stand up and say enough. Perhaps that is why it is so painful to revisit this story. Because we know what we did to God in the world 2,000 years ago. And we know we continue the same crimes against our God today. Perhaps we know that when we do try to reflect God's love in the world, we will endure pain we do not wish to face. We know what happens when we stand up to the powers and principalities. So we keep quiet and we watch. We know the rest of the story. Christ ultimately defeated death and evil. And we are forgiven and restored through Christ. And we can stand up to darkness in the world. The saving work is completed for us. And we can stake our lives on it. But we can't go there today. Instead, we must face the knowledge of what we did to God in the world and what we are doing to God in the world today. Look upon the cross. Behold our King. Behold the forsaken.